Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. Andy Gillard here. Hope you're all keeping well. Evening, guys. Matt Guy, how are you all doing? Evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you listen to this. Hello. So, gentlemen, uh, how are we feeling about the, the upcoming double bill of Captain Corelli's Mandolin and City of Angels? Oh, dear. I don't want to sound too like... <laughs> <laughs> I just... Uh, yeah, each film has its... Um... It's ups, it's downs, and it's in-betweens, for sure. I'm sure we'll thrash them out. I feel quite warm inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see if that lasts until the end of this. (laughs) Um, I think we'll start with Captain Corelli's mandolin, so let's dive right in. When you fall in love, it is a temporary madness. So, straight off the bat, what the fuck is this film? (laughs) It starts in a little Greek village. There's a shirtless man firing off cannonballs around small children. One of the cannons hit Christian Bale on the arse. Christian Bale immediately gets it out for Dr. John Hurt and his daughter Penelope Cruz. How is that a fucking family? So, yeah, great start to the film. We're off to a, uh, a bonza beginning, I think, here. What do we think? Well, I didn't um, think it was going to be like slapstick straight away. I like I, I knew nothing about this film like at all. Um, and then when it started off with kind of a like a Mr. Bean esque escapade, <laughs> I just didn't really. I, I thought actually, is this is this not the kind of film that I think it is? I thought this was meant to be a soppy love story, um, and not like a you know comic chicanery. I don't know about you, Stu. Uh, I was exactly as seems to be the uh, the thing with all these non-explosive uh, Nick Cage films. Uh, I'd seen the poster. I hadn't read anything about it. And that's all. I went into it thinking, and knowing that it was uh, Twin City of Angels as well. Thinking, well, there's got to be some romance in it and not nonsense. But it's yet again putting children in danger at the start of one of these films. <laughs> <laughs> it's a running theme, isn't it? It's like a theme like the uh, like the tan coloured cars. So I, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was looking out for one just in case another one appeared in this, but no, sadly not. Yeah, never mind. And obviously, the film starts and we get Cruz and Batman falling in love off the bat. Dr. John Hurt is not happy about this. He's, he's very disproving. Dr. John Hurt gives Cruz Chekhov's gun right at the beginning and warns her that war is coming. And he would know, after all, he fought in the Time Wars. <laughs> Against Hurt's wishes, Cruz and Batman get engaged. And he promptly fucks off to go and fight in the war. Like, it's literally, here's the ring... I'm off. It's not the most romantic of uh, engagement stories for them, is it? Well, it's it's a it's a story of the fear of commitment, mate. You know, it drives a man. He's you know he's took the plunge, but then he can't. So he's going to go fight a war. And there we go. Do you know what I mean? It's a scary world out there, boys. As you're sure you know. <laughs> I think he, he was he was almost wrestling with the fact that he was he was not Welsh or he's not Greek or whatever <laughs> he is in this film. <laughs> Let's just get it out of the way straight away. That even even. John Hurt, they're just. I don't think we can go any further without mentioning it. That this is thinking yeah, that this was my a nice, next note. Yeah, thinking it was nice, a nice love film, and thinking, oh, okay, something different. So then, it was like Saturday Night Live kind of. It you you had better accents in Father Ted than in this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I noticed that it's kind of accent related. Um, the radio that they used to announce the war. How powerful is that radio? Because it was a British <laughs> accent. Why didn't they just have a Greek accent given the news? Why do they have to have a 
British person giving the news. I, I just don't know. I, did, I, I couldn't work that out for me. That's um, uh, not many radio stations stayed on air. So that's an actual thing. About oh, the, is it? BBC World Service. I'll, I'll presume that that's what that was. Push my mouth. <laughs> yeah, because it was... Um, so you think about it, the, the World Service and the BBC stayed on for a lot longer than everyone else because everyone's mm. all blown up or <laughs> scared yeah, of being blown up. So that's... That was where I got from it. It could be completely wrong and it could be just more nonsense. You don't know, but I think there might be... There's a few things in this film that kind of historically make sense mm-hmm. in a way. Oh, okay. Right. Maybe, I, give, maybe I don't give it as much credit as I thought. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it that one. Just, <laughs> um, just off the bat. So we're starting the film with an Englishman with what's supposed to be a Greek accent, a Spanish lady... And a Welshman all just doing an absolute hodgepodge of somewhere in the Mediterranean. And now the Italians are coming to Kefalonia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting Nick Cage with an Italian accent, lads. I was so excited. Except when I say Italian, I mean kind of Borat. Borat, but the first thing he says, um, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the impression. I thought it was a cockney because he went, <laughs> fuck off. Like, like, he's like a proper, like, East Ender. Fuck off. I mean, he, he took, how long was it, about 15 minutes before he even turned up? And I, I did wonder if I'd downloaded the right film to start with. Yeah. Um, and he comes, you just expected him saying, it's nice, you like, and all this. Like, it, it's, <laughs> considering he's of kind of, well, I presume second, third generation Italian heritage. Yeah. Well, he's a coppola, isn't he? So, yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. So, it, You'd think he's got some kind of base background knowledge to how Italians actually speak, which would be helpful. Um, but considering that, that everyone, all, there was a lot of the cast who were Italian as well, mm. which doesn't make any sense at all. No, it was it, in, inexcusably bad, I think. It was. I mean, that was the, that was the first moment. You know, Christian Bale, fine, a young Christian Bale in this. You can excuse that. <sighs> Again, it's lost for words moments already. We're on, what, <laughs> 10 minutes so, in? Yeah. And but what I wanted to know... Sorry, you carry on. You, see, you expect it of certain people. And, okay, fine, you can kind of... Yeah, she's Spanish. We know she's Spanish, but she could be Greek and she could have learned... She could have learned, been living somewhere else. You don't know. There's mm-hmm. backgrounds to it. But for him to turn up, I, I burst out laughing when he opened his mouth. Yeah, I'm yeah. exactly the same. I was excited at the idea of an Italian accent, but I thought it's Nick Cage. He's just going to be American, surely. But he he swung for it. I'll, I'll give him that. He uh, he gave it a go. Oh, he certainly did. <laughs> it wasn't a half-assed attempt at the accent. It was just <laughs> no. uh, a half-assed execution, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So I was wondering, why have the Nazis sent a fucking orchestra to enslave this tiny Greek island? I don't quite understand why we've got the musical band of the Italian <laughs> army here. It was a bit weird. And also, why is Corelli a captain? He says like he's never shot a gun before or anything. He's a he's a pacifist who's in the army, but he's made his way to captain to to look after a group of men. That was a bit odd. I thought mm, that's true. I never thought I never really really put two and two together with that. I'm not sure if it's a a military thing in terms of like a an education that he immediately becomes a, a rank of some description because you know i don't know if that's a, a a thing if they're trying to link it to something actually historically accurate maybe i'm not sure but he certainly um 
he certainly acts the clown as opposed to acts like the captain in a lot of this film. Yeah, like some kind of um, civilian captain or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. a, I mean, they're, why they sent them there? I mean, they were obviously just there to just keep the peace. They weren't there to take like take over because I know we're going to get into that later on. Um, that it wasn't an invasion; it was more of a kind of occupate. Well, it wasn't; it was an occupation rather than an mm-hmm. invasion. Yeah. Um, so keeping morale high was a lot. A lot of strategy went into doing certain things like this in certain places, whereas the others, they just bomb the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I found quite weird, that as the captain, he was the one who had to go and stay at the doctor's house. Mm. Surely that that's a grunt's work, isn't it? You just send the lowest man on the totem pole to go and do that. I thought that was a bit strange. Yeah. Yeah. It was the... Um, <laughs> how quickly um, the doctor kind of gave up his principles as soon as he could get <laughs> stuff from the quartermaster. He was like, nah, yeah. fuck it, go on then. <laughs> it's just like, he didn't take a lot of convincing, <laughs> did he, to like, give up his home and, and daughter's bed to uh, as long as he got some medical equipment. Mm. It's not like they put, it's not like they, um, they painted the um, residents of Kefalonia as being like really poverty stricken or really unwell. And there was like a mass amounts of like illness or disease on the island. Well, at least I didn't like see it as that. But he was so quick to sell sell his house in theory, I guess, for these medical supplies. It seemed strange. Yeah, he didn't seem like he was the busiest doctor in the world. To be <laughs> fair to, <laughs> yeah, well, like Doc Martin and like anyone out of casualty. Like... <laughs> yeah. So obviously, we we find out that Nick Cage has to go and stay with Doctor Hurt and Penelope Cruz. They think he's a dickhead because he's obviously on the side of the Nazis. So they're very mean to him. That is until they hear that famous mandolin sound. And all of a sudden, they just turn on a fucking dime. They're like, oh, my God, he can play a tiny little guitar. We must love him now. (laughs) Strange. Uh, Then we get the scene with the Italians on the beach, having fun with all the the naked locals, singing their songs. And David Morrissey as well, who looks 14 years old. (laughs) He does look young, doesn't he? At least he's the only one who puts on a convincing accent. I thought he's his German officer. Like you could listen to him and you could actually feasibly think, okay, he could be German if he wasn't immediately recognisable as David Morrissey, of course. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't half as bad as uh, some of the cross uh, national accents that they've tried in that film. To be fair, mm. uh, I, I said, uh, that scene on the beach where, where they are singing because they are actually Italian. That was the only part of the whole film where I, th- I kind of bought into it because mm. he kind of his nonsense accent kind of got absorbed by everyone else's genuine accents <laughs> <Does that laughs> i thought it, 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 it was all very sense? um it was all very greece for me it, it started out on a beach they were all singing and dancing and all all loving i thought yeah this could go into the greece mega mix now <laughs> Uh, so now the Doctor and Cruz, they both seem to like Corelli and those on the side of the axis of evil. I uh, Maybe it's because I don't know a lot about this period of time, but I would have been very... I would have assumed that the people who were occupying the nation wouldn't be particularly well-liked, but they were accepted and almost seen as friends to some of the, the locals. I found that really... Maybe that's my prejudices on what was going on at that period of time. I just find it hard to believe that people would have rolled over and let them tickle the belly as easily as the uh, the Greeks did with the Italians there. Mm. 
Yeah, it's 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 a weird one because you had the um, the occupation of Jersey as well, where this didn't happen half as much. Um, but it, like I said, it did seem more like an occupation rather than a, a, a takeover, and they just let them. They still let them get on with it, and it was almost a case of because they are so. They're not actually real soldiers, are they? They're, they're effectively a brass band. There's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, been sent there just to keep keep watching, keep uh, keep a lookout because you don't see anything even remotely bad happen until later on in the film. So, if that's how they have been treated, and they'd come over and say, "Well, look, we're not here to cause trouble. Just we're under instructions as well," which they effectively are, mm. um, then it's like we're all in the same terrible boat together let's just get on that's mm. that's what I've, I've always seemed from my limited war knowledge um for how these things kind of panned out in certain places um where they just just got on for the greater good and then if you actually look at it a for lot the greater of, good the greater, the greater good. good a lot of um <laughs> there was a lot of uh, greek italian uh trysts going on for, for years on end and the amount of Greeks and Italians who lived in the, the opposition country and stuff later on because of what happened there. It's just one of the weird moments in history that just happened. Mm, you're right though, Andy. In one of the notes that I've got down here, it's funny that they would, they, like you said, rolled over and had the Beneticals for a group of people that come over that are portrayed as being so buffoonish and and silly and and mm. obviously they don't know what they're doing and they're, they're portrayed in this like comedic way obviously we have a we have a scene later on where they're on the beach and and they can't put together the explosives correctly and <laughs> they're just singing and dancing and there's no real like you know actual physical altercations but these people are just happy because they they know almost straight away don't they what's happening because as soon as the italians go into the square they already know that they're um going to surrender it's just that they don't want to surrender to an italian and they're already portrayed straight away as being kind of uh, not to be taken seriously they're already happy to surrender to the germans as soon as a german turns up mm. um i just think it's really strange how the italians are, are portrayed in this film i'm not sure if it's the the genuine italian in me that's maybe feeling a little defensive about the uh, <laughs> about the portrayal in the film i don't know but yeah it, it was a strange one for me uh, maybe it's because for what happens later on in the film which we'll discuss they need to portray them as being unable or, or inexperienced as soldiers. Mm. I mean, literally, the only thing I can remember from my GCSE history lessons was a joke about the, um, the book of Italian war heroes, and it's a one-sided sheet of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that sort of plays into it that they've got this reputation as being... Well, we do find out that they flip-flop. They, they change sides halfway through, as, mm-hmm. as they did in, in the war in real life. They've got this reputation of not being, um, not not to be taken seriously when it comes to matters of war. Yeah, it's a bit like the French as well, being surrender monkeys and mm-hmm. <laughs> just give up at the first opportunity and just bend over and take it. Exactly the same kind of thing that you, like you just said, it's a, a reputation of war, which, they, which certain countries have got and still have, well, who, who didn't come back for football? The French. <laughs> so. so we next get a scene in the square where Captain Cage is playing a song on his mandolin, which he wrote for Cruise. They oh. then kiss. How lovely. How it's romantic. lovely, mate. 
The Italians surrender to the Allies, so the Nazis are stepping in. After four of his men get killed by Nazis, the Italians decide to fight back. In the real world, it took about a month between surrender and the Italians joining the uh, the Allies. But in the film, it took about a day. So really, it turns out that these uh, these musicians were, were well ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, warfare. <laughs> these are the true Italian heroes of, uh, of the Second <laughs> World War. The next 15 minutes just go pure Michael Bay. Like this comes out of nowhere, this, because it's all been very low-key, not much is happening. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting explosions left, right and centre through this tiny little village. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's quite jarring when we've had absolutely nothing warlike to all of a sudden just get this huge battle happen. Yeah, it's a bit like when we sent a bit of face-off a couple of weeks ago where the... Um... The first 20 minutes is going to be a film in itself, and it's made up of actually about four or five films spliced together. That's what this feels like as well. And, I mean, I was kind of, I was losing the will to live before all the uh, bang-bang started. Yeah. And obviously then my my, my eyes and ears pricked up because it's uh, the fun starts now. But actually, I thought it was really well done. I thought having a war film in in the middle of a love story actually worked for this rather whereas a lot of these kind of things it's just i mentioned when we talked about it before about pearl harbor where that was built up towards the end to the end of the film and it was just like well there's no real point whereas Mm. this actually and the events later on as well it worked i I like this part about it It, how it how it was kind of spliced together didn't work that well because it did just jump from oh nicey nice ITV, ITV2 Sunday night drama to <laughs> Friday night Channel 5 chaos. So, <laughs> and there was no in between. But I suppose if it was an invasion, then there wouldn't be an in between. So, you know, I'll let, I'll let that one pass. Yeah, I mean, I think this was the highlight of the film for me, but far and away, I, there wasn't really much. There was nothing happening. I never, never really bought into their relationship that. Not enough happened between them to make me think that they would have actually loved each other. But by this happening, it actually introduced a bit of jeopardy towards the characters. Mm. You thought, well, maybe someone could actually die or get seriously maimed here. So this is the first point in the film where I actually paid any attention to what was going on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it's the first point in the film, really. I mean, prior to the like a few scenes before when they're asking to surrender their weapons, etc., that we actually get a little respect um, for Captain Corelli because he's the first time he actually shows any seriousness and any um, any backbone in the whole of the story, really. Mm. Um, it's the only time that, for me, again, it was it was quite interesting. I mean, he did enough of a job that I wanted to know how this happened in real life, so I actually went and spoiled the, the film for myself because <laughs> I wanted to know how, what, how this happened in real life. And for a film to be able to do that, you know, can only be praised in that way. It's it, it invested me enough that I want to know more about it. Um, and yeah, it was a bit, um, it was a bit hokey in its execution. We got, we're talking kind of stormtrooper levels of, of inaccuracy with, with some, some people shooting, <laughs> for example, but it was, um, you know, it, the, it, it was the defibrillator that the film needed really to, to keep it alive for me. Put it that way. Yeah, Absolutely. That's a box quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So after this battle, the Nazis managed to round up all of the singing Italians. As they believe they're about to become POWs, a battery of German soldiers come out of hiding and gunned them all down. Uh, as the Italians roll up to the, uh, the, sl- the site of their slaughter, Captain Cage recognises David Morrissey, who looks ashamed, almost, of what is about to happen. Are we to infer that David Morrissey's character was homosexual for Captain Cage? Because we, we have a few yeah. minutes. We have the, the scene at the beginning where they're on the beach and it's all summer loving. And then we get the scene where they're now about to go their separate ways and he asks him, oh, shall we stay in touch? Mm. And then we get this scene where he looks almost bereft that this person is going to die. Yeah. And uh, even prior to that, there's the... There's the conversation when I think they're all sitting around um, of a night time and they're, they're playing music together. And he's talking about, I think he's singing along and he's really um, getting involved with the rest of the crowd. And then he falls back into the German type, quote unquote, very quickly. And it's all about duty and, and everything else. Um, and I think he's we're, we're building up this. He doesn't know himself. He doesn't know. He, he's got an inner turmoil about what he believes is right and wrong. And he's probably fighting that against the kind of ideals of you know nazi germany and and everything else so um there's there's enough there to have the conversation for sure for me um it it would be so easy to pin the sensitive characteristics of their character to him wanting to be kind of homosexual for captain corelli but when you watch it you can't help think it i think it's so subtle the way and especially when he's um when he's asking to um, if they can keep in touch, he looks positively heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? When he's asking the question, it, I, I think you've got, I think we're onto something there. I think this is a case of the fact that you two actually did film school properly. And I just kind of dabbled because <laughs> not that way. Let's just get that right away. Um, <laughs> but until you mentioned it, I had, I, it never crossed my mind. I just thought, Oh, he's a, he's a nice young man. He's, um, <laughs> he's, um, <laughs> It's just been been uh, pleasant and happy, but when you think about it, it does um, it kind of signposts it a bit too much, and I'm I'm quite amazed that even now that there's, there's been no kind of gay World War Two films because it obviously would have happened somewhere. It must yeah. have done. It's just out of just by just by percentage alone, even though it was illegal in pretty much everywhere. Um, I'm quite surprised it's never happened yet, but there's definitely, like you said, you got to have, you can have the conversation about it because it's so signposted. But would it have been signposted at the time, or is it just because of our 2020 kind of sensibilities that we kind of just see these things for what they are? I don't know. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like at, at the time, would they have had the foresight to? have played that off or are we just seeing it because we're a we're a, a, a more woke i hate that term we're more woke people and we 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 know that things should be accepted as opposed to maybe back then or even and certainly when this film was set wasn't wasn't the case uh, i'm not sure really but it's that, i mean that's how it appeared to me i know that um there's enough evidence there to suggest that or to have the conversation about it mm. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what david morrissey has to say about how he played the character 
I think to me, of all of the characters in this film, he's the most interesting and he's the yep. one I probably want more story for because we don't, it, it just touches on it. But I'd like a bit of a, an in depth exploration on that character because he was the only one who seemed to have any actual depth. Yeah, I mean, unless this was, yeah, sorry, Stu. No, I was just had a look and it, it, this was four years before Broadback Mountain. So the conversation didn't, for, well, for me anyway, I didn't really kind of. No one talked openly about that subject until that film came out for me. I mean, I, I had gay friends at school, obviously, but um, it was never a kind of, let's talk about it and, oh, well, it doesn't matter, like it is now. It was still, even then, it, late 90s was still very taboo. Even though we, we didn't care, but we were young. But for people, I think 2001, people going to the cinema in their 30s, 40s, would they, I don't think they would have picked up on this. Maybe not. No, I think it is. It's very clever. Mm, I mean, Brokeback does feel like that was a sea change in the conversation around mm. stuff like um, sexuality. So maybe you are right. Maybe we're. Maybe this film was intimating it, but the conversation wasn't being had. Who knows? I, like I say, it, it's something I would be genuinely interested to know more about from the director as well as, as David Morrissey. So, after the Italians have been massacred, Batman comes across all of the dead bodies once again, and he finds Captain Cage, who somehow has managed to survive this slaughter. Just because a guy stood in front of him, he's still going to get shot to shit. There's no way he's going to have survived that. It's ridiculous. Uh, so, Batman then takes him back to Dr. Hurt, who performs surgery in the middle of night with no anaesthetic or, or you know, any actual life-saving um what's the word i'm looking for tools i suppose but he pulls through so we know that captain cage is going to live to fight another day or not fight as the case may be live <laughs> <laughs> to meander another day <laughs> yeah basically you you are forgetting one thing though andy um the yeah. grabbing another body to save yourself um from gunfire is a tried and tested way of surviving a la metal gear solid because you can grab somebody, <laughs> survive as many shots as you need to, and it's tried and tested, mate. So, can we give the film more a bit more respect, please, from this yeah. uh, from this point of view? Which was out before this film, so yeah, there we go. That's <laughs> it, should have, it should have took influence. Yeah, that's it. Jeez. Uh, so we get a second wave of Nazi attacks, and Captain Cage manages to escape with the help of Batman. We then jump forward to 1947. Kefalonia is back to normal. Cruz receives a package from Italy. It's a recording of someone playing the mandolin, playing her song from that fateful night. We then jump forward to 1953. Like, I, I don't quite understand why they did these two jumps. I, I know why 53, because we then get the earthquake, which I believe actually happened. Yeah. So it, it sort of makes sense. But why did they have that? Mid jump because these aren't based on real people, are they? As far as I'm aware, no. I mean, unless the book may explain it, I, I don't know. I've not read it, but it, it's almost like she listened to the um, the record and it made her pregnant, <laughs> <laughs> as all good music should. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's strange, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it just seemed to be really uh, clunky storytelling at this point it was a bit okay we need to get this in and we need to get this in and we'll do it in two time jumps with no real reason but let's do that uh, so we 
we then get the ending of the film. So we get the earthquake. And then we end up with a weird shirtless man firing his cannon around children again. And then Captain Cage returns to claim his woman. The Aww. end. But we've kind of like razzed to that film when we look at compared to the other films that we spoke about in, in, you know, in our deep dives on these picture pods. But there really wasn't much to actually discuss. There's, there's pretty much nothing to this film for me. What do, what do you guys think? It's very, it's very love film by numbers, eh? It's just, woman has weird boyfriend, but then has a better offer, so goes with him. And then original boyfriend comes back, saves the day because he loves her so much, but then gives her over to him. He goes away and comes back at the end. That's, yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's lazy in a way because there could have been so much more put into um, the development of the plot. So, you know, if the Italians had a bit more of a backbone in the film, they could have played off, um, you know, some of the tensions between the Greeks and the Italians a bit more. But no, apart from a little like snide comment here and there that get washed over pretty quickly. Um, everyone's friends again. There's no there's no turmoil. There's no tension. Um, it's like you said about Jeopardy. There's, there's, there's none of it until, you know, the actual war scenes. Um, there's no, you know, there's no fight from any of the characters when it comes to the love, the love side of it. It's like, it's so quick. I, I don't know if it's the fact that in the 21st century now, thanks to like social media and online platforms that people are spoiled for choice, but these people just seem to, they see one person that they like the look of, and then that's it. They'll just go for it. And they'll, they'll sit with that person for life. It seems in, in, in this film, um, it's just, it didn't do enough to make you invested in the story and, and care for the fact that these people are in love with each other. The only thing that for me made me interested was some of the more grittier things in, in relation to the, the war. And we had a little, we had a scene where um, one of the Greek women was um, attacked and, and hung, wasn't she? For, mm -hmm. um, for being with one of the Italians. And that's actually a bit of grit. And that is something that, made me think actually there's, there's got a bit of substance here but apart from that i mean why would you care about this love story it's so flippy floppy it's so quick and convenient that it should it should have been it shouldn't have been that it needed a war story to make this love film entertaining it should have been a war story which had a slight side quest of of romance in it as opposed to the other way around for me yeah yeah i think that's exactly it actually it's uh... It hung its hat on the wrong element, didn't it? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And this film is two hours, 11 minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's a, a long old film. It's not, I mean, this is, I mean, the old test was, I did look at the clock a couple of times. Um, so, I mean, it was, it could have been, it, it, it could have been like a, a three-part ITV drama, this could. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you, you wouldn't moan. Um but I'm not. I'm not going. It's not as bad as next. That's that's the best thing about it. <laughs> um, but they. I'm try, I'll try to think about it after because I did. I did. In a weird way, I did enjoy it because there was things to enjoy in it, and I will come to that in a minute. But if they'd just got the accents right, would it have made <laughs> it better? Yeah, I think it probably would have done because it would have been, It wouldn't have been so nonsense. And I've probably said nonsense about five times already in this in the last half hour. 
<laughs> but that's what a lot of this film was. It, it was good ideas that wasn't executed properly for whatever reason. I mean, you, you can say laziness, but it clearly wasn't lazy because there was a lot of things in this film in the two hours that it was on. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just... You're right, Stu. You're absolutely right. Yeah, badly it, executed. It, it, because the because it, you're laughing at it, it takes away from anything that they were trying to build from a serious point of view. Because yeah. you're you're sniggering at the accents and you're sniggering at some of the silly things and some of the you know um, slapstick nature of it. So they, you know they already they needed to pick which way they were going with it. They didn't need you know they can't they can't you know have their cake and eat it really when it comes mm. to war war. You know you're you're either you're either serious or you're not. You can't you can't flip and flop between the two and expect your audience to like be happy with it. And that's what this film did for me. You know the best mm. the best example of this um you think of chernobyl the chernobyl series yeah yep. excellent that is if they'd all put on faux ukrainian accents it would have been ridiculous mm-hmm. but because they're playing the plate straight you either for me you either do one or the other you play it straight and you have actual people from the region mm-hmm. and you have subtitles or you do it the chernobyl way and just have it as english speakers just being an english an english mm-hmm. tv production in that case yeah if they just took, had this as, yeah, these are Greek people, we don't need to have accents whatsoever, it would have been miles better. And yeah. I, I, think, I think it would have made, let's say it made more sense, because obviously it wouldn't, but it, you wouldn't have had the ridiculous situation of an English man, a Welsh guy, a, a Spanish woman, an American-Italian who can't speak Italian. It just, the whole, the whole lot together just didn't work. It was too um, comedic to buy into, wasn't yeah, it? It, it? Yeah, and it could have been fixed so easily. That's that's mm. a frustrating thing for me because at the heart of it, there was a bit of heart. <laughs> mm. However cheesy that is, there was a bit of heart to it, and there was a decent amount of action, but it just didn't work. Mm. And by all accounts, the source material is it's a lot of people's favourite book. I've heard a lot of people talk about how much they actually like the the book that it's based on. But if I was to see this film, I would never think, I'll, I'll go and read that book now because I'm invested. I'd think, well, this is shit. That book ain't going to be much better, is it, surely? Mm, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the film itself, the Rotten Tomatoes score, it got an audience score of 50%, which is a bit high for what I thought it would have been. But the critic score was 28%, which I think is probably where I sort of sit. It's very much in the, you know, one star, one and a half stars kind of category. For the budget, we're looking at a film that cost around $57 million, and it just about made its money back with $62 million. Mm, So it wasn't really one... uh, you know, it wasn't really a successful one for for anyone involved. And having seen it, I am not surprised in the slightest. So, the good, the bad, and the crazy. Stu, do you want to start the ball rolling on that one, mate? The accents were ridiculous for the crazy. It was just... Yeah. It ruined the film. The good... I I liked how they kept certain things that were kind of historically accurate-ish. But again, they didn't show it well enough that you that you believed it when you don't know anything about war history. So mm. someone like you, Andy, who's not got that knowledge, you think, well, why why would this happen when actually it kind of did somewhere in some places? Um, 
the story itself would have been all right. <laughs> it's again, it's just okay. It's not offensive. It's not a bad, bad, bad film. I would, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't watch it. I wouldn't choose to watch it again. But if it was on, I wouldn't mm. turn it off. Um, but I think the accents completely ruined it for me. The um, all I could think, I know it's not the same instrument, but I could just, I just kept thinking of um, when I'm cleaning windows. Every time he got the mandolin out. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get that. I couldn't get that thought out of my head. I thought, why? Why am I thinking of old George? But no, there was there was a lot of a lot of nice ideas, badly executed. But it was just, it is what it is. At the end of the day, it made it made its money back and a bit extra, which is probably about what it deserved, really, for me. Mm. Matt. So the good, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that the war elements kept me interested. It probably kept me from having a tactical pause in the film and I'll watch the rest of it another time as it like all bad films tend to do mm-hmm. for me really I think well I need, I need to do something else I'll crack on with this another time but no it, it had enough elements that it kept me interested again I um I wanted to know what happened in real life and that there's, there's got to be something in that to me that it ticked enough boxes that I, I'm, 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 I'm invested now but the bad is predictably the love story got in the way massively for me like just when I'm starting to really enjoy what's going on with this film, it, then it takes it away from me. Um, you know, it, it teases me with the tip and then and then doesn't give. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, and and so you know, for for that reason, I'm out. As I say in Dragon's Den, um, mm. it was just it just didn't really work for me. But but for crazy, um, something we'll, we'll have to post on the Twitter. So um, make sure you're following Cage Fighting Pod. Um, is the um, the cover art is edited to fuck it's ridiculous like <laughs> you need to see it's almost like um how you would expect um a, a north korean dictator to be photoshopped and edited with like the softness filter ramped right the way up like it just doesn't it looks like he's superimposed onto somebody else's face um it's really <laughs> I've just bad looked at it. yeah it's terrible it's really bad <laughs> now you mentioned it what, that, this is what i was when i mentioned at the start of this going into it just seeing the cover Mm-hmm. I thought that she was Indian. I had no <laughs> idea. So when it came up and it was Penelope Cruz, I was completely shocked. I thought, mm-hmm. what? Because I, I looked, on, I looked yeah. at IMDb, I hadn't looked at the poster that well. And she looks Indian Asian on there. Yeah, and, it, and that you, doesn't look like Nick Cage. No, it doesn't, it doesn't look <laughs> it anything like, like him. grown up. It's so soft, like the like the light. I don't know what they've done to it, or that like the actors had really bad blemishes on that day they were taking the photos or something. I don't know, but it just um, you know some some of the um, the marketing team must have had a field day with that one, or they were hungover or something. Um, you know they could you know, they could have done a, a you know they had um, they had Christian Bale looking like Che Guevara for for the, a lot of the film <laughs> and they could have done something with that do you know what I mean let's 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 build this up with a bit more tension than yeah, I guess it's one of those who who are they marketing this film for they're not marketing it for um, you know eighteen to forty year olds for the war element they're marketing it for you know for um, probably an older lady to to watch really i'm guessing um, <laughs> that 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 demo so what are you going what are you going to do with the cover you're not going to paint it out to be a war film you're going to paint it out to be soft and 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 like kind of a bit more lovey-dovey Bills aren't you boom. yeah exactly yeah. i thought it was it would have been marketed i mean i haven't even it's probably in the we should have watched the trailers really for this answer but mm. for me it would have been a perfect date movie because you got the love story 
for the women. You got the action for the blokes. Again, just past the nineties, remember? So in context, mm. um, and looking at that poster, that's exactly what it looks like. Mm. Thought, oh yeah, I'll go yeah. and see that. It's a war film, but it's got love stories. So it's got a bit of everything um, for everyone. But yeah, no, it's it wouldn't be marketed at mid to late thirty-year-old blokes. No, <laughs> go and see this film no. on their own. No, it wouldn't. That is very true. And that comes from two people who went to see um, Last Christmas at Christmas Just Gone. Oh, oh no, come on. <laughs> when, when he gets to Christmas time, Matthew, you are watching this film because we're going to watch it again and we're going to talk about it on, on uh, Question well, Cast. If, if, you, can, if yeah, you can, if you right. can um, interrupt my tears after I watch Claws, then maybe um, then maybe I will. Because that's... Oh, uh, no, that's... It's, it's, it's now a Christmas staple watching Last Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's bear in mind, everyone shocking. else, everyone, everyone else in the cinema, were all coupled up, and there was <laughs> there was me and Andy, the, not the back, half halfway up the cinema, <laughs> and kind of giggling and kind of oh, this is. We were the only ones paying any attention to the screen. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh, okay. We was uh, he was very tongue in cheek, laughing along at the, the the poorness of the the storytelling. But yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but I got very angry at one part. It was quite funny. But yeah, it's a um, good film. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my good, bad and crazy. Good. It, end, it, it ended after yeah. a while. <laughs> the, 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 the Michael Bay segment, I thought that was well done. It looked effective. It was really well shot. Showed some beautiful scenes of the island. I'll, I'll give him that. I thought that was a good yeah. good bit. Bad, most of it. The, the <laughs> accents obviously were shocking. They had a really good cast and they never got anyone to put in a great performance. It's quite disappointing to have a film with Christian Bale and him get like five minutes worth of screen time for me. He's, yeah, he was criminally misused. Oh, good, um, David Morrissey. Um, batshit. It, it was all a bit. I think it was just badly written that it was crazy that they tried to shoehorn in so much and delivered so little. Mm. They wanted to give us a war film and a love story, and they didn't really give us either. No, you're exactly right. You're 100% yeah. right, mate. Right. So, the two questions Did you enjoy this film? Matt, do you want to start the ball there? <sighs> I, I didn't enjoy it to the point where I'd recommend it to a friend, put it that way. I enjoyed mm-hmm. parts of it. Um, and if they explored those parts more, then I'd, I would have enjoyed it. But as an overall piece, uh, no, I didn't. That's fair. Stu, what do you think? I didn't not enjoy um, it. Was, <laughs> it was perfectly okay. I mean, that's all you could, that's all you could Satis- say. Satisfactory. Yeah. Six... Maybe a six out of ten, which ordinarily I wouldn't watch. Mm. And like I said, I wouldn't turn it off if, if it was on, but I wouldn't choose to watch it again. Um, but it, it wasn't. It didn't offend me. It didn't make me mad or angry. Like next, um, but it was. <laughs> it was all right. That's all you can say about it. It was all right. So, yeah. It, just straight down the middle, mediocre. It, straight down the middle. Just the right side of mediocre to be decent okay. so uh, six out of ten for me just 
Okay. Fair enough. It's a no for me. I was bored for most of it, if I'm brutally honest. It wasn't bad enough to be uh, The Room, and it, it wasn't good enough to be anything at all, to be perfectly honest. It's just a no. I do I do think if, if I wasn't watching it with the intention of doing this podcast, so I'm not watching it and making notes and mm. then trying to look into more of the elements of it, I'd have found it even worse to be yeah. honest, because I'm, look, I'm looking for things to talk about because we're talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So if I'm watching it, if I'm watching it um, purely for enjoyment's sake, I probably would have enjoyed it even less, to be honest. You know, that, that's a good point, actually, because I do it differently to you. You two do the stop films and take notes, and I kind of, things that stick out to me, I'll write them down when the film's finished. Oh, okay. I, I, I've always done it that way. I always did it that way at uni, but with this, there's probably four sentences that I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, a lot of it's a lot of it. I just keep them in my head anyway. But just as bullet points, there's four things. Whereas everything else is normally a whole sheet. Yeah. Mm. And I think that it kind of sums it up that there's nothing to talk about, even though we've gone nearly only forty-five minutes on this. <laughs> yeah. So the other question is: Nick Cage, good or bad, Stu? Well, in this, you've got to say bad, didn't you? Because he just couldn't do what he was supposed to do. As simple as that, he wasn't believable as a captain. As a captain, he he wasn't really believable as a musician, and he wasn't believable as an Italian. So now, <laughs> Matt, Penelope Ford, super bad. <laughs> simple yeah, as that. Mate. I think that, I think that's fair. Yeah, I've gone for you know bad. Don't get me wrong, the film doesn't play to his particular skill set. But there was nothing unique about his performance. He just phoned it in. But I do think he'd learned how to play mandolin. I'm sure I read that he learned how to play it. So kudos to him for that. But that doesn't that's not enough to make a good film for me no, or a good performance. Doesn't. So yeah, let's leave that shit alone and let's move on to City of Angels. <laughs> So, much like Face Off and Captain Corelli's Mandolin, the film starts with Nicolas Cage staring at a child dying. <laughs> <laughs> As the child slips away, she appears stood next to Cage, where he asks her about her life. What was your favourite thing? Which she confirms as pyjamas. I mean, I love a good set of PJs, but is that really the best thing that we can all think of? Bit strange. Them. True. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, I don't think I've worn pajamas since I was about. I'm trying to think. I had, I had some. How has it turned into this already? It's, <laughs> I, had, I had some brown, um, it was like brown kind of tartan like things. You know the ones that like Mr Bean like that mm-hmm. buttoned down the middle. That was the last pair I had, and I was probably about eleven years old. And I, I to be fair, I did love them. <laughs> so if you if you are a child and you've just been killed. Yeah. Maybe you, you, you do think about pyjamas straight away. Maybe. Maybe if you'd have gone when you were 11, that would have been <laughs> your favourite thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nick Cage then accompanies the child into the great beyond. Beyond, even. 
Cut to Dr. Maggie Rice, played by Meg Ryan, who looks absolutely incredible in this film. I don't want to get into like pervy territory, but Damn boys. she was stunning back then. And you can see like what Hollywood does to quote unquote women of a certain age where they feel desperate and they have to go through all of this to remain attractive enough. But you see it and she was stunning. And spoiler, I think she's probably the best thing in this film. If I'm perfectly, yeah, perfectly honest. Will you? We'll agree to disagree as we thrash this out. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> you look at her now. She she looks like she's wearing about four snakes like stitched together on her face. It's, she's just ruined herself. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's such a shame to see when. But I mean, I, I know we we're not ones to talk, but I just think <laughs> the the Hollywood system it really does chew people up and spit them out, and it's. Um, it seems to be a lot harder for women to get through it than it does for, for men to grow old gracefully. Uh, but, yep, she's just about to perform surgery on a guy, but apparently he wants to meet her first. I thought this was then going to go to, like, the, the waiting room where she would have a conversation, but no, this is in the actual surgery theatre. <laughs> it's the guy on gas, like, literally about to pass out. And he just stares at her and then just conks out. What the fuck was that about? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand that. I, like, I thought I'd missed something here. I thought I, I've, I've, I mustn't have been paying attention. I must have. This is this is building something, and I just didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. But this is, this will be a running theme in this film for me, unfortunately. <laughs> have Have either of you been been had surgery where you've been knocked out though? Yes, very very recently. Yeah. And did they offer you the chance to talk to your doctor? I no. knew the doctor beforehand because I had like consultations with him and stuff like that. Um. All I know is I couldn't believe it wasn't the gas that knocks you out. And I, so I had a right panic. So it's like a little a person at the side of a mallet. No, <laughs> no it's, it's a person on the side of the little plunger that plunges like the, um, the, not the anesthetic or whatever it is, the agent that puts you to sleep. Mm. Um, because they put the mask on my face, but it was half cocked. So like it wasn't fully over my face. And I thought to myself, what the hell is going on here? Like, I'm not going to fall asleep. It's going to be like that terrible film. That I can't remember when the guy wakes up during the surgery oh, wow. um, and I'm going to feel it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. Like you tell me, Stu, is, is it normal to, to, to speak to you, like to be introduced to the person that's going to be splicing you open or. Well, when, when I had my, um, when I had my snip, that's exactly, this is exactly what happened. They said, do you want to, do you want to, um, meet the one who's the doctor is going to be doing this, the uh, procedure so that they asked me and I'm, hmm. well I'm, I'm lying here he might as well so <laughs> she came in and I, I i wasn't like in a waiting room or anything but they did give me the option so I, that never crossed my mind i just thought well that this is normal this must happen to everyone well when i had my knee operation the doctor came in and drew on my knee and said we'll be doing x y and z so when i then went through to the because you go through to a different room before you wheeled into the theatre. And I remember they put the stent in my hand and they I was at uni at the time and I was telling them I did film studies and I could just feel, it almost felt like a spider crawling up the inside of my arm, a cold spider. And I was talking about Robert De Niro and then I just went and that's all I can remember. Mm, yeah. It's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Uh, yep, yeah, so where am I? <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so Nick Cage is playing the angel Seth. Seth is a weird name for an angel. Yeah, I don't know why it, I just struggled with this that. Is, like, this isn't a stoner movie. This is a 
like a love a love yeah. fantasy. So it is a strange name. Mm. And Seth is there in the way in the surgery theatre waiting for this man to lose his battle. Um, Seth is impressed with Doctor Meg Ryan uh, as she battles to save his life. Seth then becomes besotted with her, discussing life with his fellow friend Angel. Castiel, is it? Is that how we're pronouncing it? Played by Andre Brower? Castiel. Castiel, is it? That's what it's supposed to be, but it's pronounced. It's it's pretty much everyone in Supernatural. They're all all angels, apart from Seth, which he's not, because he's a stupid name. Um, Yeah, that's that's what it's supposed to be, but it's, it's pronounced in a weird way. Okay, so him and Cassiel are talking about life, the universe and everything. It's quite apparent at this point that they, whilst they watch humans 24-7, they actually don't know anything about humankind, which seems a bit strange. You'd think if you'd spent that much time around everyone, you would know sort of what was going on. Mm. Yeah, I I mean, straight away when they're um, they're sat on top of... uh, is it the mold? The the oh, what's the name of the cigarette company with the with mold. the cowboy? Yeah, they're sitting on they're sitting on top of that sign at some point during the film. But they're kind of watching down, all eyes on everybody, but so far away from the world that they don't know anything about it. Was was really strange. And we see that much much later on into the film. Um, I I like the premise of them always watching. Actually, I quite, I quite like. I think it's quite a fun idea that they 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 had that quite. They did that quite well. Like they're always around but never noticed, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I think they did quite a good job of filming that. Unfortunately, they made um, Seth look like a pedo Neo from the Matrix <laughs> with his <laughs> with his black coat and just following children around. And that it, it, like the way he was staring constantly with a really expressionless face. And I know I know he had to be expressionless for the purpose of the film. But it just, it was weird. It, it, it was weird. You didn't sympathise with this character or you didn't think to yourself, um, oh, there's, there's going to be, you know, some, some, some personality and story here. It just, it just felt weird. None, yeah. of, none of them seemed to blink either. They were all like they were proper staring at each yeah. staring at everyone else. I have a but point I, on this. But I, um, with this one, I actually delved deeper into it. I, I thought, well, because it, it must be a thing that, Unless you actually fall in love, you don't understand anyone. That's that's what I got from it. Mm. Being being a love film, um, that that's why they're all so like weird kind of mere like neo dressed meerkats on the beach, just standing to attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what it was hinting at. So in my notes. A little bit later, I've just written the only thing doing any acting in the first 80 minutes of this film on Nick Cage's eyebrows. <laughs> because nothing else seems to actually happen. And when yeah. I read into it afterwards, apparently they were instructed not to blink. So all of the angels, they had to train in order to not blink whilst they were on camera. And Nick Cage got so good at it that like he could go several minutes without blinking. But then as soon as he becomes human, spoiler alert, uh, he can blink all, the, all he wants to. They have that conversation about tears and why do, they, why do people cry and all that, don't they? And um, mm. I guess it's into, something into, I'll never do. No. Yeah. To emphasise <laughs> that point, don't they? Yeah. There was one thing I wanted to... Just, it's more of, um, mm. more of an observation than anything. There was a scene where they're talking about one of the children saying, 
what's the point in having wings if you're never going to fly? Um, and it's, it's absolutely one of those didn't fucking happen things. Like when people say, oh, my kid actually has quite a strong view on Brexit. No, they don't. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just one of those. I, I hate those things like that. And this is what this is one of those. Um, it was just it just stuck out like a sore thumb for me. The whole film is full of those corniest fuck lines. That yeah, that it is. They're comically bad. I, I've written a few of them down, and we'll get to them at some point. But yeah. So Nick Cage then decides to start stalking Doctor Doctor Meg Ryan. Which was a bit strange, I thought. Mm. And then he, he finally unveils himself to her in the basement of the hospital, which was creepy as balls. That was horrible. Well, it, everywhere it was a completely white corridor as well, and he's there in all black on his own in the dark. Mm. Yeah, she, she must she, have thought. She just wanted to kill. Yeah, definitely. Well, she takes it very well that he's clearly a wrongan. You know, like <laughs> she, he knows her name when it's not on the tag on a security pass and he's always there and he's, but she takes it. And I think to myself, you know, I'm happily married and everything now, but when I was, when I was in my younger days, should that, how I, should that be how I tried to, um, you know, pull back at the I've just been as creepy Jesus. as I possibly could have been and <laughs> stalk people within an inch <laughs> of their life because it works for Nick Cage in this. So why not? Do you know, do you know what I mean? It's just, um, <laughs> It was just, oh. it was, it was very, very strange, very strange. Imagine taking dating tips from this film. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a scene where the doc and her actual boyfriend, whose name I've already forgotten because he's massively inconsequential in this film, they seem really awkward amongst each other, and she's obviously already thinking about this guy who she only knows from him stalking her and him engineering a meeting in the library but already she's thinking about this other guy and it's quite evident straight out the bat that this boyfriend that she's with isn't the one for her it's so signposted i thought that guy was her brother at first there was there was that little chemistry between them yeah yeah i think that's absolutely fair Uh, and then we go back to the hospital where dr rice is with her next patient nathaniel messenger uh, following his operation, he starts to choke and she saves his life as everybody leaves the room, or apparently everybody, because Seth the angel is still there, but no one can see him. Messenger says a message that is uh, confusing to anybody who would have actually been there, where he says that he's not going anywhere, almost like he knows something is going on. In the next scene, that Seth actually reveals himself to Messenger to try and find out why he said this message. And it turns out that he is a former angel himself. I hated this scene. <laughs> as Stu will definitely know, when they go to the diner, I don't like seeing and hearing people eat. And he has the wettest fucking mouth <laughs> ever. It's disgusting. All fine and well if you want a conversation. Please don't do it whilst you're eating. It is disgusting. Imagine if you'd been watching this film in that scene with people eating popcorn and crisps around you. I'd have been furious. And then there's a baby crying at the front as well. I can feel the rage building up just thinking about it. It's just hideous, that is. 
Yeah, but he's, he's, he's clearly, he's fully into his food because he's only had, well, it's never explained how long he's, um, since he's fallen, is he? So mm. he's enjoying every, every tiny bit of food he can possibly get by. <laughs> his way. Don't fucking do that shit, that's horrible. <laughs> Slurping his way through life. Oh, God. Absolute fucking animal. Uh, Messenger confesses to Seth that he chose to be human. And in order to do that, he just had to fall. So on the nose, some of this stuff. Uh, We get 20 more minutes of pretty much nothing. We get Seth and Dr. Royce just sort of standing near each other, but not, not really interacting all that much or showing us why she's falling for him and why he's supposed to be falling for her. What do you pair think? Was there anything? Have I missed something? Was it a great romance here, or is it just me? I think she just kind of, she's kind of more intrigued of him because he's weird than <laughs> than falling for him for me. Mm. And it, that's a, that's all it seemed to be that he, he he's so strange that he just he dressed like that, um, just appears out of nowhere all the time wherever she is, says weird shit. And she just takes it all. And but there's never any hint that she's falling for him. She's just kind of oh, it's you again, hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is very weird. Yeah. Um I'm, I'm still at odds as to I can see why he would fall for her because she's showing him a life that he has never experienced. Yeah. But for her he seems a bit of an annoyance. Keep maybe, asking his silly questions and stuff. Maybe it's because he's actually got... He's still got more... Even because he's an annoyance and weird, he's still got more of a personality than her actual boyfriend. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And her actual boyfriend, who she agrees to marry. Strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dr. Rice tells Seth that she's going to go and be with her boyfriend. So he decides to jump off the top of a building and give up his celestial existence. The metaphor for falling in love to actually being jumping from a fucking building that is so on the nose. And they're basically saying that falling in love feels like death. <laughs> I mean, I might believe him, but I think, OK, strange that it's not making people want to be in love, surely. But we're 80 minutes into the film. And we finally got somewhere. The film's just, I think it was an hour and 50, I think is the, the, the time limit if you take out the, the ending. And we've spent two thirds of it doing pretty much nothing. Just treading water for me at this mm. point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're finally approaching something of a story now. Seth wakes up as human and starts running around the city trying to find Dr. Rice. He gets told that she's getting married out of state. So Seth tries to hitch a ride and gets mugged for his shoes. I really <laughs> like that. <laughs> that really made me laugh when that happened. Welcome to humanity, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he asks a seal for, uh, for some heavenly help and he just gets bum rushed. <laughs> Fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do. They do. A, they do a pretty good job, to be fair, of making us finally now he has feelings, feel sorry for um, Nick Cage or, or Seth in this. You know, he doesn't get a great start to his um, a great start to his human existence. However, they turn him into Forrest Gump out of nowhere. <laughs> like 
Okay, um, I'm going to Reno, well, I'm going to Tahoe, but I'm going to Reno, but I'm going to Tahoe. <laughs> like, they just have this, like, and even when the, that car pulls up to mug him, he even does the Forrest Gump, hello, kind of, like, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're already painting him out to be kind of prepubescent or um, have some kind of, like, learning disability or something like that, because straight, like, he's, he, as we find out a little bit later on, which we'll probably cover, he isn't the full ticket once he's once he's human. Um, he, he he has some basic um, limitations when it comes to the understanding of how to operate certain things. Put it that way, um, including his own body, as we as we find out <laughs> um, as well as well. So when he's saying hello to all them um, them tourists as well, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the underpass. Yeah, but we finally get a bit of crazy age cage again. Yeah, like I yeah. feel like I've waited a long time after Captain Crowley's mandolin, and then eighty minutes of this shit. Mm, exactly, <laughs> running around with a bloody nose and um, kind of like skipping along, singing uh, in the streets. Yeah, I think we think we needed it. Mm, definitely. Uh, but Seth finally makes it to Tahoe. Was it where he was going? I, I, I get confused. Was he going to Tahoe? Or was he was he going, going to Tahoe. To... The, the trucker was going to okay. Reno. So yeah, he finally collapses at the door of dr rice she confesses her love for him and he tells her that he's no human ah they have yeah they have sex and as he slips little nick round into her home base she tells him we were made to fit together and i felt physically sick at that line i said that is fucking terrible who wrote this shit yeah even so i was watching i watched this with, with with sam my wife and even she looked at me and was physically repulsed. Like it was, it was, it was like it was so uncomfortable. I thought my parents were in the room with me watching <laughs> it because it was so uncomfortable to watch. You know what? There used to be a thing in um, remember a, a load of bull magazine. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. It's a, a wolves thing for people who don't care. Um, <laughs> and they basically had this this whole thing. And I remember it was a sketch towards the end of the run. And it was a, a woman with massive tits and a bloke with a massive beer belly. And the, the caption was, we fit together underneath. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was by uh, the cartoon, he's called Tony Eagle. Oh, it's got to be in the internet somewhere if people look for it. But that's that's all I could think of as soon as that thing came into that. That's <laughs> that. You say it's a, a sound bite of the ages. Let's call oh, it that. It's grim. Tony Eagle cartoon from about 2000. <laughs> <clears throat> so from that point on the film just pretty much slides through now and the day after she's riding a bike and gets killed <laughs> like <laughs> honestly this dude has just given up everything he's known and he gets immediately shot on big time he does but i've got to say andy she deserved it and i'll tell you why incredibly incredibly irresponsible cycling no helmet no lights you get you deserve everything you get my my dear she's and, and closed her eyes she got her hands out like she's in a veet advert or she's in <laughs> um and she's you know what i mean and to be fair in all seriousness um the bike didn't look that badly damaged a new front wheel and maybe a new set of carbon forks and that that bad boy's back on the road so i mean she didn't even look badly damaged to be perfectly she, honest. Did she? No. Um, 
uh, spoiler, well, this is my, this was my bad thing. The death scene. What? Where are her injuries? No head trauma. No internal bleeding. She's a lot. She's the most conscious alive person. Yeah. Before death, in the like I've ever seen in any in any form of uh, media, because she's just having a full blown conversation, and then like at the turn of the sixpence, she, she's dead. I couldn't believe it. You couldn't even re- you couldn't figure out how she was hurt either, or where she, where the did the lorry hit her, or did she hit the side of the lorry? But if she hit the side of the lorry, then surely that's not going to be that bad. No, or it's got to have been see, that. Yeah, if you see a lorry coming, then you go onto the grass. It's it's common sense. Because yeah. mm. that the lorry was reversing, and yeah. as it looked as though it pulled out on her, so she would have just slammed into the side of it. Yeah, which and, okay, you'd probably injure yourself, but that's about it. Yeah. And like you said, there was no marks. There was like a fucking she had a red mark on her cheek, and that was about it. Like, that ain't gonna kill you, Bab. You'll be all right. <laughs> Cold wet yeah. paper towel at school, and you'd be on your way if this was in the playground. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, but well, obviously, well, green ones. <laughs> Seth senses that something has gone wrong, so he rushes out to see her and finds her lying on her back, seemingly fine, barely a scratch on her, not even unconscious. I mean. My first thought would be, oh, maybe she's broke a bone. It wouldn't be. She's about to kick the bucket. Uh, and yeah, she's complete. Like you just said, she's completely able to converse with him. This is taking the uh, the, the artistic liberty. Yeah, absolutely. That that's perfectly summed it up. But she knows she's going to die, and she tells him, "When they ask me what I like the best, I'll tell them it was you." No. This line might be even fucking worse than we were no. made to fit together. Just terrible. We then get the funeral, and Seth is living his life after death, and he's visited by his old friend, Captain Holt Casillo. Uh, Seth realises that in spite of everything he has lost, he would rather have had, and I quote, one breath of her hair, one kiss of her mouth, one touch of her hand, than an eternity without it. But they're, well, they're on, on that, on that though, if he was still an angel, she wouldn't be dead. So it's incredibly selfish of him. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> what he's saying. Is he'd do it all over again, and he knows she'd die. So <laughs> um, it's just, it was a strange one for me. There was the first thing I picked up on. I was like, oh, I don't know. Are we playing by the butterfly effect rules here? Because if if you're doing everything all over <laughs> again, you know she's going to die so you what you're saying is you're okay with that as long as you would be able to have the time that you had with her which doesn't sound like <laughs> someone you're in love with it sounds like someone that you've got some kind of financial transaction with yeah um, it's very selfish isn't it it's incredibly um one side note maybe more for you andy than anything else um why was he dressed like orange cassidy <laughs> <laughs> he had, he had like, <laughs> which is what i want to know um or, or, yeah. or should I say, why is Orange Cassidy dressed like Seth from uh, City of Angels? Oh my God, I'd never know. I never even clocked, but yeah, that is spot on. This is my. This this might be how we can how we can generate um, a bit, some listenership is if we can get a still from that photo and we get to tweet Orange Cassidy and see if we get a retweet out of him. <laughs> it's worth a shot. We'll, we'll we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. <laughs> and even so, even the written tweet will have more heart than the this last 10 minutes of the film <laughs> yeah exactly exactly 
honestly, the script writing post 80 minutes, it's it's almost like someone just thought, what's the cheesiest thing we can thumb in here? And we'll put it in. It's not romantic. It's corny. It's mm. it's sub-primary school bullshit. You know, it, oh, it's awful. For a second, when she was amazingly dead, I think... I only feel quite sad for a second, mm. and, then, and then it was it was back to this is nonsense. There's that, that word again. Yeah. Six. Um, but I don't know what it does change out of nowhere. I know it was a slow build up, and mm. then again it's rushed, and then it kind of slows down again just to. I mean, we even mentioned about you know, the uh, the Baywatch scene with the meerkats. The meerkat men, yeah, and things like that. It, there was a few things in it, it, even leading up to this, where you, it wasn't the best, but at least it was paced the, the same, yeah, and it kind of it made some kind of sense. But from as soon as she started putting her, her arms out, you knew something ridiculous was going to happen after that. Yeah, you could see it coming a mile off, couldn't you? Mm. Yeah, and it, <laughs> I was trying to think when. Is it when you do rewrites and you when you look at things in as a whole, would they have just looked at half of the script and not all of it? Would that even have happened? <laughs> yeah, surely a good script a editor. <laughs> yeah, a good script editor would have looked at that and thought that line is just too much. It's it's not it's not in keeping with the tone of the rest of the film because the rest of the film isn't corny. It's not that cheesy. But then you get to that part, and it is so hammy, it's terrible. And really, I, like you said before, about the, the whole thing about love that they try and introduce through it, for me, they don't make love sound like it's something you want to do. Mm-hmm. They make love out to be more of a hindrance than, you know, one of the joys of life, almost. Yeah, I mean, if if you're looking at it in its most basic form, love hurts, or in extreme cases, causes death. Um, <laughs> which you know, why why jump headfirst into it in that case if you're going based on based on this film, really? Um, you know, in, in a way, from as soon as um, Seth becomes human, it's just it becomes a tragedy for him, and that's the only probably part of the film I felt emotionally invested in. Yeah. Was actually, oh, well, this is a proper shit show, isn't it, for him? So, not knowing the film, not having any clue about how it ended, I thought he'd end up killing himself, and then that would be the end of the film. I thought he'd want to try and be with her in the afterlife, and actually, that's how we'd have her happily ever after. Mm. Not, um, he tries to get his 500 metre swimming badge. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? It's just, I just didn't, yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't, I'd, the ending for me, I just, it was next level of <laughs> it was next level of you're you're shitting me. This is the end of the film. I've I've wasted how long on this film now for you to hand me that? Um, yeah, I, I was livid. I've got to admit. Was, I think it was the the look towards the screen as well. Mm. The, the, the uh, mm. smile at the end. Like, it was like it, it was like the end of Goal. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. Like yes, we've made it at last. But no, you've you've managed to swim in the sea. With the gut, with the cop from Die Hard Two, and that's, that's, not, that's not a good end. But it's still, mm. it's, it's not next level. Let's, let's just get get right there. 
but it, it did seem that it was it played too much on the um how do you say this the, the kind of like uh, the little things of being human are what matters more than anything else kind of thing mm-hmm. it was mm. it was too in your face to make any kind of real impact if that makes any kind of sense on that on that for 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 presumably they're ageless or they've been watching for few human for the whole of humanity's existence. How do they know so little about the people that they watch all the day? So, he, what I found, and again, maybe it's because I'm picking holes in it because we're doing this. Maybe I'm picking holes in it because I wasn't really enjoying it. But how does he know how to hitchhike or doesn't know how to spray a bottle of aftershave? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's silly little things like that that separate films, in my opinion, from being genuine pieces of of um pieces of film that you can respect to like you pick holes at it because it's so easy to it's just it's silly little things like that like i don't I, maybe I, maybe it's me i don't understand it because i'm not clever enough to understand that actually there's there's something in that why he knows how to hit shike but not how to spray a bottle of aftershave but, but fucked if i know because <laughs> i don't understand you know it just it looks silly it's silly yeah but with that one though he could have seen someone die from hitchhiking he wouldn't have seen, he wouldn't mm. have seen someone die from spraying themselves unless they're like superhuman on Twitter and he's using like a lighter with it or something. So <laughs> that kind of thing. You got to think if they have been around for thousands of years of it's never explained. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you think of the um, we've all seen Final Destination and the amount of different ways that people can kill themselves. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've seen someone die from hitchhiking, being I don't know the usual trucker stuff or just been run over or whatever disposed of. You think, oh, that's how you do that because that's how you don't die. Maybe that's the, that's the kind of thing. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe that, maybe, that maybe. makes some kind of sense. Yeah. I like to think that the last 20 minutes were a Jacob's Ladder scenario where when he jumped off the top of the building, he actually died. He didn't become human. He just oh, died. Wow. And the last 20 minutes are his death dream sequence. I think that would make for a much better film than what they actually gave us in the end. Yeah, and I think you'd, you'd come to, as frustrating as, you know, we hate that, or I certainly do hate that ending, you know, it was all a dream. Um, but in this scenario, actually, it would have been quite fitting. Um, mm. Whereas the ending that we got that we got given, it was just, it was, it was frustrating and it felt like... A, 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 had time stolen it was this film is a time thief because i'll never get that time back um (laughs) (laughs) so this film on rotten tomatoes on the critic score got 58 percent so it split the critics almost down the middle what do we think the audience score was matt do you think it was higher or lower higher i reckon i reckon people would have enjoyed this in in a silly way yeah yeah i You'd go the same. Yeah, I'd, I'd say around about 70s, I suppose. 82% audience Jesus. score. Jesus. Yeah. Whoa. I wouldn't yeah. have thought that. The budget was a $55 million, so it was actually $2 million cheaper than uh, Captain Corelli's. Stu, would you like to have a guess at the box office return? Well, if you had that, that kind of audience response on there, then I'll... But... Quad that, maybe? Matt, what, what do you think? Uh, one, one twenty, one twenty back. 
Stu was closest with $198.7 million. It was a smash hit. We're in a mugs game. I know, Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, it, it made some serious dough back then. I mean, I hate, I don't want to sound sexist, but I imagine this was very much geared towards a female audience. And most of the people, when I've mentioned about doing a Nick Cage podcast, when I've been talking to women about it, oh, have, have you done City of Angels yet? Every, okay. every woman I know seems to know again, about City of Angels. Again, look at that. Airbrush to fuck that that picture is. Yeah, there the, 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 there won't be there won't be two worse cover arts in this um, when we do these pods at all than the, than the two that we've um, we've got with mm. these two films. You look at look at the tagline. She didn't believe in angels until she fell in love with one. So it's all you need to know. Stu, have you have you done any uh, ASMR? ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tingling all over the place. Well, now you, now you mention this, the, uh, <laughs> we, but it, it's, we fit it's, together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we fit together like a glove. It's, uh, <laughs> see, that would have been a better line. It's it's clearly a date for me. That's exactly what it is. And people were dragged to it. No, no actually in this one though, sadly. But um, no, you can see from the as a if you take it as a chick flick, it's all right. Mm. That's what that that's what I thought it would would be to start with. So that's what my expectations were. Yeah, I mean for me, it film wise, it's not the same. But the Greatest Showman, that yeah. is an absolutely dog shit film. It's terrible. But when I got dragged to go and see it, the audience was full, and it was about um, two two to three months after it had released, and it was full with mostly women it obviously chimes with a certain section of society and i think this film must have done the same mm-hmm. i mean well, we, you know i mean we all like or well, well okay we all is terrible because i don't and i don't think you will andy i'm not so sure like the idea of um the afterlife and angels and you know we like the security of knowing that there is a higher power or someone looking after us and looking over us so to then have a film about that i think actually gives people like it's an interesting subject for them to start with mm. for someone like me who believes when you die you die and that's it <laughs> it's not, i don't maybe yeah. have like quite, quite the same um quite the same feelings towards that but i think it's one of those things that will appeal to a female audience that they will get a kick from they get they will have the kick from the love element to it and who you know i'm being massively uh, generalistic here but who doesn't want to be swept off their feet by um a strong silent brooding stalker pedo nazi <laughs> neo in a big trench coat do you know what i mean um i've kind of uh, gone off on a tangent here but i think it has the elements that probably has made it incredibly successful for those reasons yeah, absolutely. So, the good, the bad, and the crazy. Matt, do, do you want to tell us what you think? Uh, good. Um, <laughs> uh, no, good. I had, um, for me, Alanis Morissette in the credits is a massive plus. Um, because Oscar nominated. That, was it? Yeah. I'm not surprised because it's actually, it was actually quite a toe tap of that song. I enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. I'm a massive, massive Alanis Morissette fan anyway. So, um, that was one of the one of the better things um, in the film for me. Uh, bad. We've mentioned the death scene, her injuries, um, yeah. and the um, you know the how jarring and how hokey it made that scene. You know, the the 
unless I'm mistaken, there wouldn't have been no tears in the audience from that scene for me anyway, because it seems so silly for mm. me. Um, the crazy would have been Nick Cage's post fall acting. And that's <laughs> kind of a good thing, a good thing and a bad thing, really. Um, it's funny. It's funny to see. Um, but it's also at the same time, it, it turns him into a bit of a village idiot mm-hmm. for the same reasons that I mentioned. He was a bit like Forrest Gump once he's come into his human stage. He's not, he's not like, he's not the full ticket, but um, he was good to see that. Cause we, you know, that's, I think, I think between the three of us, that's what we like to see that crazy side in it cage. Yeah, absolutely. Stu, what are you saying? Let's just get the bad out, the bad out of the way. The, the fact that, again, it's like it's film spliced together for no reason at all because it's just mm. that it could have done with it, it could have done with an extra 15 minutes and just a bit more of the second heart, second act of the film when it's actually human. Mm. Just that would, I think, would have made it a lot better. Just that if you had a bit more time with them two together, then there would be more impact for, mm. for me, anyway. Yeah. Rather than her being a silly cyclist and killing herself, then if they'd have been, if they'd have gone on, I don't know, if they'd have gone to a fairground and gone on a carousel or something, obviously we know children and guns around. Um, but if that had been, if they'd just done something else rather than just had a bit of rumba time, yeah, it mm. would have been, it would have been a bit better. How how much better would have uh, a Rocky montage? showing them for a period of time some of the things that they've done and actually properly fell in love with each other. Yeah. Had an impact on then when she snuffed it. Do you know what I mean? You Exactly what you're saying, Stu. Yeah. I mean, even, they could even have, you're the best around in, in, <laughs> in, the, in the background as well, which would have made it better. But yeah, it, it, just, it was just too rushed. But I did like it. I did like the film. Um, was, I thought the, beat, the, the actual scenes with the angels on stuff and I did mm. read the thing that he was actually he's actually got vertigo and he's scared of heights as well. So yeah. fair play. That it did make me want think there should be an Assassin's Creed Angels edition <laughs> at, to, to jump into some hay bales off some of the uh, some of the landmarks that they were on top of, and the whole blinking thing. Which, if that was an actual trope, then again, mm. very well done for everyone. But there, there was a lot of very good. Iconic scenes is kind of the wrong word, but how things were set up were it was very well done in parts. The bad, like I've mentioned, the, the crazy was just how it only affected certain people, mm. and how the, the the rest of them seemed like in the library as well. When when she was in the library, which we, didn't, we never even mentioned the library. She was at the uh, the meeting place of what? Oh, I live, I sleep here, or I live here, or something. Whatever he mm. said, and they're all there, like peering over. It's like they've never seen this before. And surely, if they've been, if they've lived for however many years, this must be must happen quite often, or mm. at least at least happened yeah. before. Obviously, it has. It all seemed to be like, well, why would you react like this, kind of thing? So that was that was a bit strange. But yeah. The, Overall, I, I wouldn't say eighties, but I would, it, there wasn't too too much bad in this for me. Mm, that's fair. I think for me, the last twenty minutes were the highlight of the film. It, the first eighty to ninety just dragged and were mostly unnecessary. The last twenty were all right. Something happened and it moved on a bit. 
it wasn't perfectly executed as we've established but you know it, it was something shall we say um meg ryan i thought was quite good in it i thought she was the highlight of the film the bad i wanted more andre brewer um I like him anyway. I think he's a good actor. Big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So seeing Captain Holt in a film's awesome. But they didn't really touch on it. And it would have been nice to have seen more of Seth as a human interacting with his old friend who's still an angel. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. And they didn't give us that. The other bad thing is the pacing. So as I said, that first 80 to 90 minutes was just dirge. And then all of a sudden it just goes up to 11 and zooms off for the last 20 minutes that was a bit odd a bit jarring the crazy johnny depp was originally considered for cage's role mm. like johnny depp is for me he's one of the least interesting actors working i just find him so boring i mean maybe he would have worked for the boring angel role but I just don't think it about anything to it. And the other crazy thing is it's very rare for a romantic film on IMDb to have a body count. <laughs> it's usually reserved for <laughs> horror and action films. But yeah, we had a, a body count of three. We move on to the final two questions of the podcast. Did you enjoy this film? I'll start this one. Uh, no. It was, direction- <laughs> <laughs> it was directionless pap for the first hour and a half of it. That's too long for the last fun 20 minutes at the end. There was too much crap before it, so to know from me. Stu, how about yourself? I kind of did, yeah. It was sweet. (laughs) uh, Occasionally I'll watch other things apart from Transformers. (laughs) First mention. And, um, yeah, I, I, I said the... Cathy Crelly's mandolin uh, was tolerable. I I did enjoy this in parts. To be fair, I did I did enjoy it quite a lot. There was a lot of problems as usual, but overall I did enjoy it. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Uh, um, I enjoyed elements quite a bit, but I also you know it's just not it's just not my bag. Like in general, mm. um, it's sweet to the point where it's sickly. Um, yeah. for me in a way um you know that can be sweet but in in a more um in a more in, or in a less obvious way i don't know how that, that sounds awful but so one of my favorite films um is life is beautiful um uh italian film so sweet it's giving mm. diabetes but it's it's done in a way that like it's not overbearing whereas this is done in a little bit in a way for me it's so forced upon you that it was it yeah. was a bit too much I, when I was writing my notes, I, re, I, I, I put down really that I, I enjoyed um, Captain Crowley's man, Mandolin a bit more. But on reflection, actually going through this and talking about it, I think I enjoyed this more than I wish, like, initially anticipated. Would I recommend it to the lads at the pub? Probably not. Would I recommend it to a couple? Absolutely, because I think couples would probably enjoy it and, and mm. probably enjoy poking fun at it as well. And Sometimes that's good enough. Do you know what I mean? If if you find yeah. entertainment in that anyway, how many of our favourite films are absolutely shite? Loads. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. And so a long answer to a short question. Yes slash no. <laughs> and of course, is Nicolas Cage good or bad? Back to yourself, Matt. Tell me what you're thinking. I I don't think I, I don't think 
there's enough for him to do in this to really make a decision on this, but I'm going to say no because for the majority of the film, he, he is emotionless. And I suppose he does a, does he good, do a good job of that? Probably not because staring off into the distance isn't good enough to be emotionless. Mm. It's that's you know what I mean. So unfortunately, we're two for two on this, and, and no from me. Okay, Jim. Very much the same point that there's not enough to judge because. It's the same thing. Does he are the two playing two roles? Are they separate enough mm. uh, from an angel and human? Which they kind of are, I suppose. Um, but it's a it, it's a big fact. Na for me because you can't judge you. He's not bad, <laughs> but he's not good either. So he's all right. That's not an answer. It has to be yes or no. <sighs> Asterix, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. I keep going back and forth on this as well. <laughs> the script obviously doesn't lend to stretching his abilities. We we can establish that quite quite easily. But I did believe his childlike wonder and his innocence at mm. times. Um, you know, it's a watchable film. Don't get me wrong. But the script is bang average. But she's. <laughs> To be fair though, she's excellent in it as well though, mm. and it, it's it's bad for it. It's the same level for everyone, and yeah. no one for me, no one puts in a bad performance. Yeah, she does have more to work with though, doesn't she? In she terms does. of like she the, yeah. you know the, the 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 surgery gone wrong, and then the turmoil, and the not being able to sleep thing, and then all of a sudden knows how to, mm. you know, uh, solve got, the yeah, the, yeah, solve the baby's problems and. Yeah, she's got the meaty role. But yeah. I think for me, it's like it's fifty-one percent good and forty-nine percent bad from Cage. So uh, overall, it's good from me, I guess. It, it just edges it. That's not very satisfactory, but that's where we are. <laughs> so there we are for the fourth picture part. I hope that you've watched and got something out of these films at least. Thanks once again for joining us. Uh, if you haven't already checked out our back catalogue, please dive in there and see what you think. If you've got any questions you want answering, if you've noticed anything in these films that we haven't mentioned, hit us up. You can get us on the emails, cagefightingpod at gmail.com or on the Twitters at, at cagefightingpod. Please ensure that you've subscribed, rate and review too, please. So for this week, Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Wear your mask. Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Bye, guys. Take it easy. And from me, actually, you know what, fellas? When they ask me what I liked best, I will tell them that it was you. See you next week. We're made to fit together.